Let's look at the amplification of, of these verses tonight. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. Nobody wants to hear anything about no suffering. You don't hear that on TV. The TV preachers, they, they don't deal with suffering. It's all, you know, going to be grand and glorious and you ain't going to have no trouble and, and if you have enough faith, you ain't going to have no issues and that's just a bunch of baloney. All those who live godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer persecution. Suffering is part of it. I don't like to suffer. You know why I go to the doctor? Because I don't want to suffer. Amen. You know why I take those insulin injections that hurt just about every time? Unless I get enough fat. That's why I got fat. Unless I get me enough fat rolled up there, I'll put that dude in there. I get Lacey's laughing, you know. That's why I do it, because I don't want to suffer. I don't enjoy suffering. I try to avoid suffering. It's one of, the, one of my main aims in life is to go through as least amount of suffering as I can possibly get away with. But the sad truth is this, beloved, we live in a sin-cursed world. Our bodies are cursed by sin. Flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God, and suffering is part of it. I'm just sorry to tell you. I had a couple of people come to my mind as I was meditating on this. First one, many of you will remember Sister Belle Rawson. Sister Belle, and I, I reference her frequently because she had that much of an impact on my life. I don't know uh, what uh, you know grade she finished in school or anything like that, but that was a godly woman, and she had a great impact on my life. But you could look at her face and knew this sister was acquainted with suffering. She did not have an easy time. She had a difficult time. She had a hard time. But she held on in spite of what she experienced. And she would play that, uh, that piano, and this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And was a blessing to so many. That was years ago. I don't know what I ate yesterday, but I remember Sister Bell Ross and, and, uh, and other sisters singing that song and how it blessed me. You can just look at them and say, if somebody who go, goes through what she goes through and experiences what she experiences just about on a daily basis can come to the house of God, play that piano, and say, this is a lot of mine. I'm going to let it shine. She got something this world ain't got. Amen. We're going to suffer. second person I thought about was my own grandmother, my Granny Ruby. You've heard, you'll hear me and Judy and, and uh, the boys speak about her. If a godly woman ever lived, it was my Granny Ruby. I stand behind this pulpit flat-footed, knowing that my words are being written down in heaven, and I'll face them one day, and I ain't got no problem telling everybody in this church or anybody who, who may know that there hasn't been a godlier woman I've ever known in my life than my Granny Ruby and the impact she had on me. And on our life. But before she left this world, she experienced tremendous suffering. That cancer was no fun. It was a tremendous ordeal that she went through, we went through for her in the last few days of her life. But my point is this. What can be so good that it's worth suffering for? Instead of saying, I don't believe it anymore, instead of saying, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to live and serve the Lord anymore, what can be so good that people are willing to say, you know what, I'll endure suffering because at the end it's going to all be joy. Amen. Here's the thing. If we could see Sister Belle Rawson today, she wouldn't look nothing like she did the last time I saw her. 
Amen. She's beautiful. My granny Ruby won't look nothing like she did the last time I saw her. They're beautiful. They're in the presence of God. They ain't hurting a bit. It's all been joy ever since they closed their eyes in death and the angels of the Lord escorted them to that throne. It's been worth it. You ask them. You could ask them. Was it worth what you went through? And not saying that they earned salvation by what they went through, but was it worth tolerating the suffering? Was it worth enduring the hardship to hang on to your faith in Jesus Christ so that you can make it here? i tell you what their answer is. Yes and more. Yes, it was worth it, and it would have been worth much more. The truth of the matter is it would have been worth anything. We don't put enough emphasis or, or, or direct our attention to what lies before us. We are so easily influenced by the challenges of this life and the aggravations. Uh, has anybody ever experienced, I mean, in, just in, in the last few years, it seems like there's been an increase in aggravation. Is that just me? Amen. Brother Andy, you get aggravated? Yeah. I went out, looked, and I said, I think that tire's getting slack. Oh, man. So I gazed it, and it sure did. So I run it over here, and I, I pumped it up. We got, oh, if you need your tire pumped up, just give us a holler. We got an air compressor out in the shop here at search. Pumped that dude up, took it back home. Next day, looked at it. I think that tire's going slack. You know, it's aggravating. I planned on doing something else, but I found myself running up here to uh, Reese's and telling that old boy, you know, my tire's going slack. So we checked it. Sure enough, he found it. Big old tack in that dude about like that. He put a plug in it. I didn't want to sit around getting that tire fixed. There was something else I wanted to do. But it was aggravating, and it had to be done. We just live in that, in that world today. That's the world in which we live. But it goes beyond aggravation. It's going to come to suffering, folks. And I encourage you to run a reference in the New Testament on the word suffer, suffering, and suffered, and see what you find. When the Lord knocked uh, Saul of Tarsus off the camel, uh, Saul didn't jump up and say, well, I guess everything's going to be hunky-dory. Now, I said, Lord, what would you have me do? You know what the Lord's response to him was? You know, I'm gonna, I have to show him the wonderful blessings he's going to experience. <laughs> I'm going to show him what he's going to suffer. It's time for us to toughen ourselves as Christians and not be so easily affected by aggravations when we haven't even gone to suffering yet. You suffer physically, Peter said, you'll cease from sin. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. In verse 2, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough of the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. we got to get back to telling folks, look, Salvation is, is the washing away of our sins. It's the writing of our name in the Lamb's book of life. But, beloved, it is also a giving up of the world. There are only two cultures on this planet. And we can say, no, Brother Andy, you're wrong. you got European culture and, and Eastern culture, Chinese culture, and you, and you got you know Russian culture, Eastern European, you got South American, Native culture, African culture. That's all a bunch of hooey. There's only two cultures in this world. 
the culture of the world, W-O-R-L-D, and the culture of the word, W-O-R-D. There's only two. And people are going to live in pursuit of one of those. They're going to live a life of selfish indulgence in pursuit of that which the world has told them will satisfy or they will put their faith in Jesus Christ and they will pursue a lifestyle of submission to God's word. Amen. The Bible says don't love the world, things that are in the world. And Peter here is saying, look, it's time to, to let go of that lifestyle that you once uh, experienced, and in many cases it was enjoyable, but you got to let that go. And It's time, we tell folks, it's time to get your heart right with God and let go of that world. Because the enemy has been very successful in deceiving people into thinking, hey, you can have your cake and eat it too. You can have salvation and live in that world too. You can't. It's not going to happen. The spirit and the flesh are contrary to one another. The culture of that world and the culture of the word of God are opposites. They are polar opposites. And they don't come together. They stay separated. Now the good news is this, that the culture of the word of God is going to prevail. And eventually there will only be one culture. The culture of heaven is the culture of the word of God. And what we should invest our time in in this world, having received salvation, glory to God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, and the blessings that accompany that, we should spend our time in this world preoccupied with serving the Lord. Amen. It doesn't matter what your other pursuits are. It doesn't matter what your other accomplishments are. It doesn't matter what your level of education is. If there are letters behind your name, if you've been successful along those lines, praise God, I'm happy for you. But when you become a child of God, there is one overriding priority in your life. You're like Saul who said, Lord, what would you have me do? Where is the will of God? in my list of priorities. Now when I say that, the enemy has also been very effective in, in painting this separated lifestyle in such uh, negative tones, if you will, or negative colors. doesn't mean you can't enjoy life. The truth of the matter is, you can only enjoy this life as you do so in pursuit of the will of God for you. Amen. doesn't mean you can't, you know, you can't have a hobby or you can't enjoy this or that. It is that your heart is no longer in that world. Your heart is now in the word of God. How can you tell somebody saved? Yeah, I, I, you know, over the years of pastoral ministry and just dealing with folks, I've come up with folks, I want to know what I can get away with. How much of that world can I have and still die and go to heaven? You know what I tell them? None. <laughs> Woo, Brother Andy, don't be... Oh, you're a killjoy and all that. No, what I'm saying is that we should be preoccupied with the will of God for our life and just absolutely, uh, I'm looking for a word. I'll find it here in a minute. Thank you, Lord. Absolutely be allergic to the things of that world. I shared with you uh, the other day in the, in the quit sinning message about Brother Tatum. He'd backslid and, and uh, you know, he, he started lighting them up. Smoking them cigarettes, prayed back through, but boy, he still had a craving for cigarettes. So he got down and prayed, asked God, 
Lord, deliver me from these cigarettes. And he did. And the Lord did. And Brother Tatum didn't know it until he lit up that last one he ever smoked. And it made him sick as nine dogs. And he can't even get around secondhand smoke because that makes him sick as nine dogs. You know Brother Tatum, he ain't shy about, you're going to have to put that up. You don't, I'm going to be throwing up on your shoes, you know. I mean, he asked what he, Lord gave him what he asked for, an absolute allergy to anything that has to do with, with uh, tobacco along that line. Now, I, I, I just said that because that has got to be our mindset. Oh, Lord, deliver me from anything, any influence that's going to be contrary to your will for my life. Amen. Peter said, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. That is our responsibility. And beloved, listen to me. That has to be taught. Now I'm Pentecostal to the bone. I love red hot uh, altar services. I love to, to be blessed of God. And I love to see other folks blessed of God. I love it more. And I, I've made this statement for years. I love it more than taking my next breath. There ain't nothing like There's nothing to be compared. No other experience on this life. You win the World Series, you win the Super Bowl or anything else. There's nothing else in this life to be compared to receiving the blessings of the Spirit of Almighty God. Nothing else touches it. Nothing. And I love it. But you know what? Instruction is also part of it. Oh, you know, I love the, the worship services, but, I, you know, that discipleship and stuff. Because the enemy puts it and frames it in boring terms. I don't want to learn. But we must learn. And this is what the devil don't want you to know, is as you learn, you mature in this faith, and your faith gets deeper, and the Lord is able to use you more effectively in his kingdom. And there ain't nothing to compare with being used of God in the kingdom. A few years ago, I got a phone call. Brother Andy, my, my uncle, uh, Wants to be saved and baptized. He lived out in Mentone, out in the woods. He's Mentone, and there's a woods out in Mentone. His brother lived out in the woods. And I got to his, his house, his trailer, and when I went in, he had a mason jar full of rattlesnake rattles, which impressed me immediately. What's, this looks like, yeah, they're rattlesnake rattles. He's killed so many rattlesnakes, he just takes the rattles and put them in this mason jar, you know. <laughs> Glory to God. He ain't killed none in the house, has he? No, he killed them all in the yard. Whew. That's why he's got all them dogs out there. He was on oxygen, could barely whisper. I want to be saved. I want you to be saved too. Let's go to the book of Romans. You confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. He was ready. Truth of the matter is, and what I could have told him was that Jesus saved him when he turned his heart toward him that instant. We're just going to go over We're just going to go over it right now. I said, you confess Jesus Christ with your mouth? And he just could just barely, I confess Jesus Christ. I said, do you believe in your heart God's raised him from the dead? And he's seated at the right hand of the Father? Yes, Brother Andy. I believe that in my heart. I said, according to the word of God, you're saved. You ain't got to jump through hoops. What you got to do is believe. I said, according to this book, you're saved. About that time, it was, it was, Kelly Hester was up there 
uh, with him when I came. She was, and about that time when I said that and I laid hands on him, the Spirit of God hit her like a ton of bricks. And she just went, you know, uh, you know, we got all these cliches for the things that we experienced, but I'm telling you, that sister just threw her hands up and talking in tongues, she went. I mean, it, and the Spirit of God was in that place. And there's, there's no greater reward or, or, or fulfillment or satisfaction than knowing that the Lord has put you in a place, giving you a divine appointment, and you have done something of eternal value in your life or in somebody else's. And you don't do that when you're running with the world. You do that when you're anxious for the will of God. Verse 4. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Now, this is what that says. Of course... Your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do, so they slander you. But remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. Now, over the years, I've shared with you our conversion experience. Sister Dorothy, when she went to homecoming meeting uh, at the church and went down uh, and prayed in ensuing uh, night and, and next day and when she informed me of that and how she had made up her mind. How powerful is this gospel? Dorothy was ready to sacrifice all of this to serve the Lord. I love you, but I'm going to serve God because I love him more than I love you. That'll keep you married for 38 years. Amen. Used to, our yard was full of cars. Our house was the happening place. It's a place to go, place to party, do all this other stuff. But you know what happened after we got right with God? I had to go out and mow the grass because the cars weren't there like they used to be. People didn't come. We didn't have to put up a sign. Man, they just, you know, it just got around. Andy and Dorothy don't party no more. They got married. They got what? Yeah, they got married. They going to church? No, get out of town. Yeah, they are. People, oh. <coughs> and that wasn't nobody mean to us. They just didn't come around anymore. You got to come to the place where, Lord Jesus, I'm going to serve you, and if people don't like it, they'll just have to, that's between you and them. Because there'll be some people who will divorce you when you begin to pursue the will of God for your life. Verse 6. That's why the good news was preached to those who are now dead. And it, there's a twofold meaning here. People who had received the gospel and then passed away, and then when Jesus went to Abraham's bosom and preached the gospel uh, to those souls following his crucifixion. So although they were destined to die like all people, they now live forever with God in the Spirit. Amen. Verse 7, here we go. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, 
to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Listen to the amplification. The end of the world is coming soon. I believe it. For then, when you believe Jesus is coming back tonight, I believe he's coming back tonight. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined. Listen in your prayers. Verse 8. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Now, there is the law of faith, there is the law of hope, and there is the law of love. The uh, reformers, the Protestant Reformation, they got the law of faith right, but they really ignored a law that is as if not more important, and that is the law of love. You search the New Testament. You read the scriptures for yourself. The importance that we love one another fervently. The importance to God that we do that, that we care about one another. This ain't the Rotary Club, folks. This ain't the Kiwanis Club. This isn't a service organization. We are the family of God. We refer to one another as brother and sister because that's what we are. We are the family of God, and we have been commanded to love one another fervently. Do you know why people are getting their prayers answered in this congregation? It's because the Word of God says two things in 1 John chapter 3, that we believe on Jesus and that we love one another. Wherever the Lord finds his people, Living a life of faith and love for one another, he is going to bless them. He has blessed us because of that. I, you know, over the years, we've, we've seen all kind of stuff uh, happen in, in congregations, regrettable things happen in congregations, but it hadn't happened to us. Why? Because we love one another. Now, that don't mean we agree on everything. You come to some conferences, some won't stripe, some won't polka dots, but it's not anything to break fellowship over. And it comes down to, well, brother, if you really want stripes, I prefer polka dots, but hey, I, I can go with stripes. Not that I like stripes. Whew, I just felt the Holy Ghost. But I love you. It's not that I like stripes, but I love you. And I care about you. And the last thing in the world I want to do is harm you in any way. Now, beloved, that's pleasing in the sight of the Father. That's why Jesus came and died on that cross and rose again from the dead. A new commandment I give you, love one another. Amen. That's it, that, the law and the prophets, it's all that's on that. We're, we have a threefold love. We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and everything we got. We are to love each other as ourselves. Now, loving Jesus is easy. Loving each other takes a little effort. But, boy, that third one requires nothing less than the grace of God. Love your enemies. Do good to those who do bad to you. Now, that's something I, I, be, I just meet up front with you. because, like Brother Jeff Statham said, preachers always tell off on themselves. And that's something I've had to deal with as far as my flesh is concerned is my temper and wanting to punch somebody that does, me, that does me wrong. And God's had to get a hold of me for that. But he's shown me, son, I'll bless you if you do it. I had a guy one time told me, a, a, a 
car salesman where I bought a car. Years. I, we were still working at Salem. Dorothy and I were. I mean, I remember Brother Andy had that old Volkswagen camper van. We drove that thing to Knoxville to the World's Fair. <laughs> Living by faith. That <laughs> thing had oil leak, wouldn't quit. I took it back to the guy I bought it from. Hey, man, this thing's got an oil leak. Oh, we'll fix it. Won't charge you nothing. It's okay. So I go back, and then his son-in-law, who also in the business, well, it's, it's going to, well, before that, I was talking to Dorothy. I said, you know, I feel bad about him, you know, uh, fixing that for nothing. I said, it's worth at least $50, you know, to fix it. So I run my big mouth. So when I got there, the guy's son-in-law said, well, we're going to have to charge you, you know, a hundred and something bucks. And I was like, ooh, like an old walrus. And uh, the guy that owned the place said, no, I said, we'll charge him 50 bucks. And it hit me. If I hadn't opened my big mouth and said $50, the guy wouldn't have said $50. But instead of getting all upset and everything, I was, you know. And I said, Lord, bless this man because he did that. I had another instance where a brother in the faith I love dearly hurt me bad. I was hurt. I mean, I was squalling hurt. I was hurt. He did something that really embarrassed me and hurt me deeply. This has been years ago also. I got out in the car. I left that place. Man, I tears going down my cheek. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, Son, if you'll forgive him, I'll bless you. I said, Whoa, Lord, say that again. If you'll forgive him, I'll bless you. Now, if you've ever experienced the blessings of God, you know that whatever it takes to acquire them is worth it. Ha! I said, yes, Lord, I forgive him. And he's still a very, and he don't know nothing about it. He's still a very dear friend of mine to this day. Lord, I forgive him. I do not hold it against him. I forgive him. And you know what? The Lord blessed me for doing it because God is faithful to his word. I forgave that, but I never went to him or nothing. Just in my heart, I, Lord, I forgive him. And the Lord blessed me. I began to experience more of the blessings of God than I did before that instant ever took place. I'm just here to tell you, folks, if we will love one another deeply and care for one another and be tenderhearted, kind, forgiving, let's give the benefit of the doubt you know, a lot of times people react because of the stress they're under, and it's really nothing personal, and we don't know what happened on the other side of this thing. Why, when you said, hey, how you doing? They went, wow, you know, or not speak to you at all. Why, why they, they high-hatted me. They shut, No, they didn't. They got their mind on something else that's going on in their life. So instead of saying, well, you high-hatted me, no, 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 we pray. Lord, I don't know what's going on. It's none of my business, but I know that you know. And I want to lift them up in prayer right now. How many? I'm, I'm fixing to land this plane. But how many folks in this in this house would, by an uplifted hand, say, "I desire to experience the blessings of Almighty God"? Anybody in here? Now I could say how many of you have, and about the same number of folks going to lift your hand. But I desire to experience the blessings of God. Believe on Jesus Christ and love your brother and sister fervently. Pray one, James said, pray one for another that you might be healed. A few years back, Lord dealt with me. I said, brother Andy, why don't you get down in the altar with the other guys? Because the Lord told me to stay behind this pulpit. 
He said, you're doing too much. You're not giving others an opportunity for me to bless them. You know, you're, you're, you're preaching and you're doing this and you get down and you're praying for everybody. He said, just hang out behind that pulpit and let some of the men of the church. He said, you ain't healed nobody anyway. And let them be blessed and give them a chance for me to use them in the work, in the ministry of the kingdom of God. So I started doing that. I started, and I started saying, hey, brothers, y'all come on down. And you, you know what? <laughs> Brother Andy, don't have to pray for you to, for you to be healed. James said, pray one for another that you may be healed. Because this is, you know, Pentecost means participate. It's not a spectator sport. It is one in which we participate. Verse 9, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Verse 10, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Now those of you who have been around here a while know where I'm going next. Every child of God is important. You occupy a place in the body of Christ and your presence and your ministry is valuable and can't nobody else do what the Lord wants you to do in the church. Amen. That's why all of us should, if you don't know what your place is, you need to pray until you find out what it is. Lord, what would you have me to do? Friday night, I went to the ball game in Trines. Took Eli. Because I've been taking Eli to the ball game in Trines since he was big enough to go. How did I get started doing that? I went to Chattooga. Oh, yeah, Tim. Tim played football for Trines, so Dorothy drug me to Trines football games, and we watched, you know, Tim. Hey, look at Tim. Pow, ooh, boy, it had to hurt. Anyhow. We just fixing to cross uh, the road to get to the gate, and the sun from the west is just shining. And some man... Come up to me and grab my arm. And I couldn't see him real good because the sun was right behind him. He said, Jesus is my treasure. I want to give you this track. It was Richie White. And I took the track. You know what the track was? How to get rich. But I was... So proud as a pastor, I was proud. I didn't tell Rich to do that. I didn't get on him. I didn't shame him into doing that. He did it because he wanted to. He did it because it is part of the work that he does for the will of God in his life. He does it because he enjoys doing it. Well, how many? I don't know how many folks, how many tracks he handed out. I don't know how many folks he's talked to. But what if just one? Just one was touched. What if just one read that track and the Spirit of God brought the gospel to them as real? What if just one person prayed? What if just one person got saved? Because Richie White stood in the parking lot and handed out tracks and told people that Jesus was his treasure. Is it worth it? Yes. 
It is. Now, handing out tracts may not be your deal. Going door to door may not be your deal. And other folks, it is. You know, I don't know what your specific responsibility is in the body of Christ. I just know that all of us are important. All of us have a role to play. All of us have a ministry to pursue. All of us have a job to do in the body of Christ. And it is the purpose of the enemy of your soul to distract you from that. Because once you find out what that is, that should become your number one priority. Amen. Should become your number one priority. I'd had no compulsions about preaching. Being a preacher never, it didn't enter my brain. I was happy. I love my wife. I love my sons. I love teaching Sunday school. I love my church. I love my pastor. Everything was just great. And I almost lost my mind when the Lord dealt with me about preaching. I didn't want to do it. You know, I don't know a preacher. Son, you're going to preach. I don't know. I, I, Lord, all these excuses why I couldn't. I can't do this and I can't do that. Lord says, son, it ain't got nothing to do with what you can't do. It's got everything to do with what I will do through you. So finally I go to my pastor and tell him, Brother Tatum, I think the Lord's called me to preach. Now, was he loving and sweet and kind? No. Well, it's about time. I've been waiting a month for you to get here. I said, that'll get you out of your pity party. What you talking about? I was praying and God spoke to me and said, I'm going to call Andy to preach. I'm going to send him to you. Get ready. Be ready when he comes to you. I've been waiting a month for you to get here. You know. So when I found out that is what the Lord wanted me to do, then I gave up all my other ambitions to do other stuff that I had in mind to do. It became my number one priority in life and has been for 35 years since 1984. Now, I'm not saying that everybody's a preacher, but there's something. There is a place, and that place is important. You know why? Because there are people who do uh, work that is as, if not more, important than being a preacher or being on the platform. There may be somebody that needs uh, good counsel. There may be somebody in need of help that you're able to help. And here's the thing, that once you begin to pursue that, you're going to find that, man, you really love doing it. You love doing it. There's such a satisfaction and a fulfillment that, that comes along with this pursuit of the will of God in your life that, man, that's what you want. Nobody has to beat you over the head to do it. You want to do it. You take advantage of every opportunity to do it because that's what the Lord has called you to do in the body. And as you do it, you experience this tremendous fulfillment and tremendous satisfaction. Amen. Poor Brother Dan, we have to drag him, Brother Greg, lead this choir. They just, you know, they don't put nothing into it, do they? They just. No, they love it. They do it. Why do they do it? They got to love it. And, they, and you know what? And they're great at it. And we're blessed by it. Anybody else been blessed by this choir last? I mean, come on now. Praise God. I can sit back here and bore you to death. I put six kids to sleep on a Wednesday night. That's my record. 
I walked out. There were six children asleep on these pews. I knocked them out. Amen. But what about those services we have when Brother Andy don't get to preach? We don't even get to a special song because the Spirit of God is moving. Amen. And we're blessed. You know, Sister Beverly may have a running ministry. I don't know if she does or not. I think Cole has a ride in his mama's waist, you know, side ministry. He just, that baby this morning, did you see him? He didn't, he didn't holler. He wasn't, he wasn't scared of nothing. We was praying and he's fine. Let's pray. Praise God. There are blessings that go along with us, folks. I'll leave you with this. I know it's real personal and it involves my family and everything. But I know there were times when Brother and Sister Bolin wanted to hang it up. I know there were times when they were so frustrated that it, it, it just, you know, would beggar description. But they held on true to the Lord in spite of what they had to face. And today all six of their kids are in church. Now take that to the bank. Is, is it worth it hanging on? As Bryn shared with us this morning, is it worth it when we do experience suffering to say, Lord, I'm hanging on. I'm not giving up. I'm not going back. I'm going to trust you. How many of their grandchildren are in church? I ain't saying that to puff them up. I'm saying that to puff up the Lord. The Lord is good and greatly to be praised. Amen. Frank McGraw, there's another one. His children, his grandchildren. Lord have mercy, Cindy got 12 grandchildren. Cindy got 12 grandchildren. She don't look like she got 12, but she got 12 grandchildren. And somebody prayed. I mean, you know, Brother Franks, what, what was his ministry? Well, I know what one of them was. Man was praying. He was a praying man. Man, he would pray. Yeah, you get with him. You knew that wasn't the first time he'd prayed that day. And I've shared with you often how I'd, I'd, I'd be praying with Brother Frank. I'd just hush and listen to him pray. He's like singing. Him praying to the Lord. It was such a blessing. So whatever it is that the Lord wants you to do, find out what it is and do it. You'll be glad that you did. Amen. Divorce yourself from this world and say, my priorities no longer lie there. They lie here. Lord, your will be done. Let's stand together all over the house. He's done with me.